Hey guys, welcome back to the Kind of an Expert podcast, the only podcast where the guest picks the topic of every single episode. My name is Corey Tindall, and as always, I'm your host. And this week, I sat down with longtime friend and New York City comedian, Dean David, to talk about anxiety. Uh, he has had anxiety since, he says, about 15 years old, where he started having panic attacks and anxiety attacks. And so we really dive into how that pertains to uh, his comedy career. A lot of people think, oh, if you've got anxiety, how are you getting on stage? That feels super anxious. So uh, we get into that. We get into the root of a lot of anxiety. We bring it back to a more macro level and talk about anxiety in general throughout the United States and the rest of the world. Um, so I thought this episode was incredibly interesting. I think it's a lot of fun. I think you guys are going to like it a lot. You can follow him at DeanDavid95 on Instagram and check out his show at Gold Sounds in Brooklyn with former guest Alex Bashera, who just did the episode on gambling at casinos every single Tuesday at 830. Uh, that's in Brooklyn. And follow me at Corey T Comedy on all social media um, and come see me live in Midtown Manhattan at the Three Monkeys doing shows um, pretty much every single night of the week. So with that, let's get into the episode. I found a cure for COVID. You did. I did. I had COVID. Yes. You had COVID too. I had COVID. How long did you have COVID for? Too long. It was like four days of suffering and then like six more days of like minor symptoms that were just kind of pissing me off, you know? There you go. See, you didn't do what I did. I didn't. Please <laughs> illuminate me and the audience. How do we cure COVID? And then we'll contact the CDC after this podcast. <laughs> Uh, I don't mind sharing this information because it was really helpful for me. It's the Chef Boyardee and pineapple. <laughs> Mixed or are we talking separate? Like, do you have to eat them at the same time? Like, I ate the pineapple first and then Chef Boyardee every now and again. And I, it's, <laughs> you can get it all from your local 7-Eleven. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, so that you're saying the 7-Eleven diet is what cured COVID. I didn't know you could buy pineapple at 7-Eleven. That seems extreme. Not, yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I would trust that. No, you know what? Most people don't, and it's because they're they're not they're not asking the right questions when they go. Mm. You know, you walk into a 7-Eleven. What do you ask? You say, "Where's the big gulp?" Yep. Can I get a Slim Jim? No one's sure. ever asking for pineapple. Yeah. It's right there, dude. It's right next to sandwiches and cold pizza, and you know, I'm not saying don't get the vaccine. You know, the vaccine, the vaccine, <laughs> the vaccine can't do it alone. You know, that's true. Like clearly, like I have the vaccine. I'm vaccinated, and I still uh, was sick from COVID, and Same. so are you. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So there you go. The vaccine can't do it alone. It needs Chef Boyardee and pineapple as a little bit of help. So and is this only a retroactive cure, or if you haven't gotten it yet? If your diet is Chef Boyardee and pineapple, are you? Will that prevent the COVID from coming into your body? No, it's it won't no. It's only it. a retroactive <laughs> cure. It's, it's it, not a prevention. It's a cure. It's it's combative. It's not like it's not. It can't. It can't defend. It's combative. Yeah. So it's it being if it if it if it, if it goes in fighting nothing, that it just passes along 
never hurting anybody. But if you have COVID in there, you know what I mean? I'm picturing an Osmosis Jones situation where little chef boy RDs are fighting the COVID virus inside your body. I don't know if, do you remember Osmosis Jones? Yeah. Is that? Okay. Chris Rock was I was like, voice. am I the only one that ever watched that movie? Chris Rock was um, Osmosis that's Jones. That's right. He was. I forgot about that. And then, and then they uh, switched it. What do you mean they switched it? Like they made a cartoon. Yes. And it wasn't Chris Rock. Well, yeah, they're not going to get Chris Rock to do a cartoon. They got Chris Rock to do King of the Hill. One episode. See, that makes sense. Like if he came in for a one episode thing, that would make sense. What was he doing around that time that he couldn't be Osmosis Jones is all I'm saying? That's true. I don't know. Probably enjoying his money and uh, his fame and not worrying about a mediocre children's tv show that i think you and i were the only two that watched i hope he regrets it i hope he does too <laughs> i hope he wakes up sometimes and he thinks about it like i should have been ozzy yeah ozzy and drake's top tier tv i really missed an opportunity wb11 was a good time dude do you get that a lot do you get uh fomo or not like not yes well fomo but more specifically like do you get anxiety about what you already have missed? What I've already missed. So, like, if um, are you regretting? Like, if someone invites you to a party and you can't make it the next day, are you like, man, I really should have, I really should have done that? Or like, does that happen a lot to you? Yeah, and in the relation of anxiety, because that's what I'm here to talk about today. Yeah. You know, when I got sick with COVID, uh, I got really anxious about it, not because I was like afraid of dying but i had to it really in fact, sucked you welcome dying that's yeah. could have been the best thing that happened to you no, no i'm kidding i just thought to myself well fuck this sucks because now I've, i can't do the things i wanted to which is you know which is everyone's story everyone yeah. has that story but like i had such a hard time with it and that gave me anxiety that i had a hard time with it because i realized that uh, I was getting so lost in doing stuff all the time that like I was losing myself a little bit. Mm. So I, when I was like forced to take days to like do nothing, those were really, I had, so, yeah, I did have a lot of anxiety and uh, yeah, but it was good. I mean, it, it, it's like, cause then you, I don't know, then you see things a little clearer when you're, you finally, when you, when you take that first step, it's like not doing a drug anymore. Mm. It's like, once you stop the drug, it's the hardest part. But yeah. then eventually, like, there's a upswing to stopping. Yeah, there has to be. Or if there if there wasn't, then you'll continue to do drugs. Yeah, yeah. It's very like um, it's very based off habits, right? Like, yeah. Comedians, pretty uh, the the culture around comedy is that you always have to be going, and you're always surrounded by people that are doing more than you, like. Jared Waters, who I've got to get on this eventually, like he did 620 sets in 2021, which is nuts because comedy clubs weren't even open till May. So it's like, so when you've got that sort of an atmosphere around you, it's easiest to just keep going. And when you're not going, you feel like you have to be doing something. And as it relates to COVID, one of my first thoughts was, at least everyone else has COVID right now. So all these shows are shutting down. But if if I didn't get COVID at the exact same time as everyone else before the holidays, I would have had that exact same feeling of like, oh my God, I'm missing out on all these shows. I'm missing out on all these spots. Like I should be out there doing it right now, but I can't. 
And then when you got it two weeks later, things were kind of coming back. And that's yeah. like, yeah, it was sad. That's, that's harder than being sick. It's yeah. It's harder to be sick because nobody else was doing it. It's like I had COVID at the lamest time. It's yeah, like, you did. I had, you were late to the party after the holidays. Back, like not even when it's powerful or strong anymore. I yeah, just, I'm not. I felt fine. I was completely fine. Like after I slept for like 18 hours, and then I woke up, and then I felt fine, and I still tested positive. And I was like, okay, well, I still have it, but I feel okay. So that kind of sucks. So I have to be home, feeling okay, right? Under social obligations, because I took a test that now gives me evidence like i probably had been sick with the flu a couple of times and sure been out without giving a fuck yeah everybody's done because once you feel fine work. Yeah. you still go back out yeah you don't just stay home longer but nowadays we do yeah dude yeah uh, the that 10 day how many sets did you do during the pandemic do you not know i mean i didn't kick he, he told he, he did 620 he said 620 how had he he, uh, he had the proof like he scrolled through his uh his notes i mean i could have just whatever written, i could write 620 <laughs> show that'd notes. be such a project <laughs> uh, i believe it i, I saw him everywhere it. yeah I, uh, I definitely believe it. he's got a full-time job too that's the part that drives me fucking crazy and he's married. i did last year i did 150 sets Really? Oh, so you do know? You have you have like a number? Yeah, because I I record all of them, so I just looked oh, at the recordings in in my phone. Um, so the goal for next year is two two hundred. Like I want to keep bringing that up, but you know I still got a day job, so I'm not gonna like try to hit six hundred because I know I'm just gonna burn out, like quit and leave New York if I try that hard um, before I before it's a full time job. So I don't I don't let it get to me, but it is something in the back of your head where it's just like. If you have the option of like staying home and enjoying yourself or doing a set, 99% of the time you're going to do a set. Yeah. Because of everyone else that's going on like around you. Like, you know, everyone else would do a set. So you're like, ah, I got to do a set. I like, don't know. I wouldn't. Yeah. It's pressure. It's pressure. derives from Pressure's anxiety great. about not doing enough. Dude, pressure is a good thing. And uh, pressure is a good thing. Yeah. It's good to be pressured, you know. It's good to be pushed. You need you need you need a negative external source. You get of, the stick with the carrot. Yeah. Well, you, uh, what? The you never heard the the, the stick and the carrot uh, metaphor for like how you motivate someone to do something? It's like the carrot is the treat. Like you want to put the carrot in front of them so they're they're attaining a goal. But then oh, the, stick the stick is also like so, no 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 the stick is like. So this is all from like, if you're on a, a donkey, you put the carrot out, that's the treat. That's what they're trying to get. But the stick is like, if they're not moving, you hit them with the stick. Oh, gee. So it's like the negative that's pushing them <laughs> forward. And so the best way to motivate someone like a normal job, stick the in. stick would be the threat of being fired. Right. The carrot would be the money that you get at the end of it. That's sometimes true. that's true. It's a good point. Sometimes the money's not enough. Sometimes your bosses could be like, Hey man, fucking figure it out. What are you doing? And you're like, okay, don't hit me with the stick. Dude, it's, <laughs> you know, when you're applying for a job, you're actually like applying for like, if you're a, like, what do you, when you're a, have you ever been a server? I have not been a server. I've done customer service before. Um, I've like worked in gas stations, warehouses, like, uh, retail, like Dude, however they explain what the serving job is, is not the way that it actually is. Elaborate. Just like, you know, you're, you, you, you think in your head, it's like, oh, you 
take an order and you bring them the food and, and yeah. so that's the that's the job that's what i see <laughs> so it's so like not my job is to like deal with people's bullshit yeah like which is a good skill to have like because oh, there's yeah. so much bullshit in people i've you ever seen a uh, kitchen nightmares i have seen an episode or two i've not watched all of them or anything Dude, it's but... the best show ever it's the best show ever because it reveals to it's like about a guy who is better than you at everything and he points out how bad you are <laughs> to a, to like an objective degree uh i kind of want that in comedy that, like that, someone to watch my set and just go like all right here's all the shit you're doing bad that's now fix well, it <laughs> that's you dude that's you that's when you watch your set and you hate yourself uh, i know it's like man that's not it's what i said than done yeah this is all related to anxiety. It's it like, is all right because it's you know it's a it's a Pete Holmes saying, but like Pete Holmes, holy shit! Dude. I don't. I, he's like I for those crashing. that don't know. Yeah, he's a famous comedian. Yeah, but you his thing watch was crashing. like he said good. a couple times. I never drank coffee. I never drank caffeine because I just ran on anxiety. Like it would just motivate him. I drink coffee and I have so much anxiety. <laughs> Does it speed it up or slow it down? Speed, I do. I they say uh, coffee and weed is poor man's speedball, and there you go. I'm like doing speedball all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a speedball addict. Then I guess. Well, you were anxious before this started about like whether anxiety was a good topic, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, because I, you're anxious about it, yeah. Hey, I don't know if I'm an expert, <laughs> for sure, dude. I'm I'm, I'm definitely a, a victim of it. Mm-hmm. But I also I've persevered a lot, so I think, you know, if somebody, if I, when when people have anxiety, I know comics that have like such bad anxiety that they're barely even around, but they know that I am also like such an anxious person that they can come to me about certain things, and uh, I feel good about that. Like you know, there's there you go. I have yeah. When you uh. When did you start? How long ago were you doing? Was it like five, Comedy? six years, seven? Five, five, five? Years. Yep. How old were you when you started? Uh, my first show was on my 23rd birthday. Wow. Yeah. Where was it that you did your first? Was it Eastville? Eastville, like the where like New the York's old Eastville, Eastville used to yeah. Be? Wow. What was that show? Um, it was the show at the end of the class. Like I took a, I started with a class because that was like I've talked about this on the podcast before, so I'll go, I'll go quick. But moving here, I was like, I don't know where to go, I don't know who to talk to, so I'm just gonna join a class or whatever. I joined a class. That's where I met Keanu, and that was kind of like, all right, this is where I'm gonna start. They're gonna point me in the right direction, and then I'm gonna be okay. So that was like six weeks of class. Every class has a show at the end at like a real club. It's not necessarily a bringer, but they're like bring people and everyone does because everyone's excited half the people in the class are just like random nyu kids that are bored so like all their friends want to come out but um it was a good place to start because i had no idea where to go like were you wearing a birthday hat (laughs) i was afterwards yeah Yeah. not on stage Uh, no (laughs) no no no. (laughs) i had to follow todd berry for my first show ever he he showed up and i had to go directly after him that's pretty cool it was pretty cool it was also terrifying like talking about anxiety anxiety. yeah that was like the teacher was like hey todd barry's gonna you're gonna follow i'm like really he's like yeah you'll be all right i I feel like the guy i feel like the guys (laughs) that always tell the people you're gonna follow this guy like Mm -hmm. they know that it's a moment for the comic to be the part that i feel like they also know that they're doing it 
Yeah. So they're playing up the. He you, was. You follow until it bears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they're doing that shtick. Um, I should get uh, the the dude who's my teacher. I've seen him a couple times since. I should get him on here. But one thing that that I get asked a lot um, by non comics is like. My friends, they're like, yeah, I don't know how you do that. And I'm like, you could do it. And they're like, no, no, no. I have way too much anxiety. You'd be like, my answer every time is you would be shocked how many incredibly anxious people do comedy. And they're like, that makes zero sense to me. What is that? How do you, how do you wrap your brain around like, I am super anxious, so I'm going to get in front of people? Because like, I think to most people, they see that as two things like comedy is not something an anxious person should do and i'm like all of them have anxiety yeah i've thought about that i try not to think about it too much because if i feel i'll overthink it i feel like and i'll lose the ability to do comedy so like, if you just pass out in the middle of this podcast i'll know what happened you just, basically yeah dude <laughs> panic attack is like <laughs> man he asked the wrong questions no no <laughs> no you know i i've thought about it though I'm like the I'm like the least anxious when I'm on stage for some mm. reason because I feel like that's when life is on purpose because you know you can't control that you exist around people you know you True. just it's just how it is so there's anxiety in that because you can't control that that people exist around you and that they have different opinions and that their opinions of you can reshape the way that you see yourself Yep. And so there's all that to take into account when you're around people or in a situation and people do take those things into account, which is why they get so freaked out. And so, what, what, <laughs> you know, that's why they get so that's what happens. You know, yeah. it's, it's like you're very aware. Even if you're not aware, of, if you, even, if you, even if you can't articulate all of the things that you're aware of, you're very aware of all of them. Like if you were to describe being in this room, you, you, you and I probably say two different things. But yeah, we're both pretty much aware of all of the things going on in here, you know. Hopefully, <laughs> well, I mean, you have different, you know, whatever, because this is your place. Yeah, I see it in a different way, but I get it. I see what you mean. You know what I mean? Um, but when I'm on stage, when anyone's on stage, it's like, okay, well, now you're on stage, and they're all looking at you, but like you say so, and they're here to listen. So how could you not be? less anxious like you're the most in control they're looking to you for guidance in that moment yeah like when you're on stage and you're trying to make them laugh it's like they're gonna they're gonna have as much fun as you have yeah that's why if you're doing poorly and if you bomb it's it's because you're you're you are not having a good time and they're looking at you and they're like worried for you yeah some sometimes i've had one <laughs> I've had ones where I was having a good time at the beginning and then it uh, really crashed. Yeah. It was like they just did not like me. That's a, a one time that I could think of. Um, but that makes sense. Yeah, it's a, it's a control thing. Like that is the time in your life that you've pre-rehearsed what you're going to say. It's predictable how people are going to react to what you're going to say. It's not a free-flowing improvisation which is what conversations no. are it's you've you've figured this all out already you've got control of the situation you've got control that they're looking at you and uh, it makes sense that they're looking at you as opposed to when you're it's like you're deciding to be looked at so there's control yeah. in that uh, you know what okay I mean? yeah 
you got on stage. Yeah. Like, like you walked in front of I've actually of gotten, I was one time about to go on stage, very anxious, which doesn't necessarily mean nervous, but anxious. I'm just like, I'm like excited. I'm sure. like anticipating going on, but it didn't feel good. Like it was physically hurting me to mm. be so anxious. But then I got on stage and it just like went away. Like the feeling completely dissolved out of my body. Hmm. So to me, performing is the only time that that's ever been the case. Uh, outdoor comedy. That's a that was a cool thing to watch. I don't know if you did a lot of outdoor comedy, but like a little bit, like enough to know what's going on. But I wouldn't. I didn't start a show or anything. It changed how I see uh, comedy hmm. because you know when you're on a show. It's like there's lights and there's a stage and there's a mic and there's ambiance and you don't take into account how much of that is playing into your night. Yeah. The audience is like its own little creature. It's however it feels. And then you go up on stage and, you know, you do your thing and whatever. But when you're outdoors and there's nothing, it's just people. It's so trippy. Because I would see comics, like, they're all just gathered, like, in a circle. Mm-hmm. And then one person goes up and just stands there. And we're all looking at them. Yeah. Looking to them for enjoyment. And they have to bring it out of us. And it's so odd to see a person try to do their act or whatever it is they, that their act is in an environment where it yeah. doesn't. So it's like, well... Your job is to make people laugh, right? It's not to like... Anyway, that's what I'm saying makes sense? Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, yeah, that that part makes sense. Um, I guess sticking with the, like, the anxiety theme. Yeah, sorry. Did that make it more... Did the outdoor shows make... Like, what you're saying is like, oh, I'm in control. I like, I like being in control. And part of that is like, it's a closed arena. Like a normal show, sure, people can walk in and out of the door or whatever. But for the most part, people are the people that are there are there. And the people that aren't there aren't there. Outdoor comedy, like especially in a park, did that change how yeah. you saw like your own anxiety because there is other stuff going on. You can't control if a kid walks behind you in a you park and that should happen all the time. So that, they did help with the anxiety for that reason, because now it's like, instead of worrying that people are around you, it's like, well now that's part of it. So how do you be, how do you be funny despite uh, that? Like yeah. there's a whole, there's like a new challenge. Yeah. It's like, how do you make people yeah. laugh in this environment? Gotcha. In an environment where crazy shit's happening everywhere. And that's life. Yeah. That's life. Yeah. It's like, how do you make people laugh in a crazy environment where shit's always happening all the right. time? Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's 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 go back to when you were younger. Oh. Like the start of your anxiety. I've heard two different like things from people is like it slowly sort of developed from like a very young age, it's just always an anxious person, or there was like one thing. That was like something happened and now I am terrified of everything. Like, is there that point for you or did you always, were you always just kind of like a little anxious around certain situations? I got, I like to say that I started having anxiety when I was 15. Mm. That's like the first time I had, oh, I was like at home 
just had a random panic attack that came up out of nowhere. I was like just out with friends and I had a good night and I was on the computer. I was just hanging out. And then out of nowhere, I feel like this horrible physical pain that to this day I have never felt like a pain as painful as that pain. Wow. And it was so bad that I went to the hospital freaking out, like unable to even stand still. And uh, they just were like, think they thought I was on drugs or something. Like <laughs> they didn't know what to make of me. You probably looked like you were on a lot of meth. Dude, I looked crazy. Like, and I didn't have any control over my body. Like I did, but it was it was just awful. So then they just like, like slammed me down and like restrained me. Wow. And just tried to like make me relax. Then I calmed down. That's what they say about. Getting someone to relax is force them to relax. Dude, yeah. Relax. <laughs> he just pressed me down, held me down, and he's like, you're you're not going to move until you relax. So I just didn't. I just eventually I relaxed. It was, it was yeah. really hard to sit still and do that. But then I woke up and I did not. I was like, I don't know what the fuck just happened. And then because I didn't really understand what I had just experienced, it happened to me every day. Like the fear of that happening to me made me make it happen to me every day. And so from like 15 till about like 20, I had pretty much panic attacks exactly like that every day. But, wow. Yeah. But from 16, 17, 18, it was only like on subway trains. Like huh. I was in a subway train one time and I thought to myself, that like if I was, you know, now that I'm in this train and we're in the tunnel, I'm like, this would be the worst place to have that feeling happen to me because I can't get out of here. And then spiral. And, and then I spiraled and then uh. it only ever happened on train. So then it was impossible for me to take a train without freaking out. So like even when I wanted to do comedy, like I think I, I, I got into it when I was like 17. Like I didn't even I didn't like any comedy until I was 17. I didn't watch comedy. Yeah. I didn't do at the minute. But the minute is pretty normal. I don't know, dude. Guys I know love comedy. Like they grew up watching it and everything. Yeah, whatever. That's I know. I don't know, dude. They say it. No thirteen-year-old is going to be able to understand half the shit that the dude Alex talking about. Pashera, he he loved. I think he said even at a young age he loved stand up and stuff. All right, well. Pretty sure Judd Apatow is a guy that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. he loved anyway, stand up. That's so. The train thing is interesting to me because I'm I'm fascinated by. People that I've talked to with anxiety and panic attacks logically know that they shouldn't, that they don't really have anything to freak out about a lot. Like when you were on the train, were you sitting there going like, man, I'm freaking out right now. Like I need to stop. I know there's nothing to worry about like in your own brain or were you just like it was, fully I was, I was long gone. engulfed by it? Engulfed, dude. I was so gone. Uh so I would do shows like I would try when I would only go to the city with the pursuit to do stand up. Yeah. Like that, that was the only reason I'd ever get into a train and I would only do bringers, which was perfect because right. I brought all my friends with me on the train. Yep. I couldn't do it without any of them. Like if I could not get into a train alone, I just didn't believe I could. And uh, then I whittled it down to one friend and then eventually alone. So I trained myself to be able to do the train thing. And, uh, dude, that's just been a battle. Like, I just figured out how to do planes. 
Like yeah. I, I was just in a plane for the first time this year. Wow. Or last year. Uh, went to New Orleans. It fucking sucked. The plane sucked? No, New Orleans. Oh, <laughs> I love New Orleans. What I mean, do you mean? <laughs> it was fine. I went with people who have no idea how to have fun. Ah, so, yeah. That would, New Orleans is what you make it. We spent all yeah. of our time in Bourbon Street. Yeah. It's fun to go to for a little while. but It's uh, like the Times Square. Of, yeah, it kind of is. I'm like, I don't want to be here. Like, I want to actually see New Orleans. Yeah. I don't want to go to Times Square in New Orleans. I feel that. I took a fucking flight. <laughs> I just conquered my long battle with planes just to end up in this yeah. fucking dump. Just to end up in Times Square. So was it enclosed places that give you the most anxiety? Yes, because I if I can't leave a place, if I can't leave someplace when I would like to, yeah. then that freaks me out. That That freaks me out. Interesting. So elevators is the big one. That's a really hard thing for me to, uh, to do. Not because I'm claustrophobic. People get so con- people don't understand. Like yeah. I tell them I don't like elevators, and they're like, "Oh, you're claustrophobic." Like, no, it's not claustrophobia. It's the concept that I cannot leave. Yeah. Not that I'm enclosed somewhere. Yeah. The elevator decides when you can right, like, leave. Or if I'm stuck, I have to. I'm depending on another human being to get me out, like a firefighter. Yeah. Have you seen firefighters, dude? I don't want one of those guys. You'd have to fuck them after. I know, dude. <laughs> they always make you suck their dick right after you. Fu- they say, and I'm like, guys, just big government taking advantage of us again. Dude, my, my I let my house burn because I didn't want <laughs> I didn't want to suck a fireman's dick. Um. <laughs> so what is that? So okay. So I'm assuming that if I like, I could say to you, logically. People don't die in elevators. Oh, it yeah. just never it never happens. People don't die on planes. People don't die in the subway, generally. And you know that. Like you you logically know the numbers. Like if I told you like ten people die, you'd be like, What? I thought it was ten thousand. Like, no, you're not that's not what's going on. So is there like a block in your brain in the moment? Let's say you're in an elevator. I don't have an elevator in my building, but let's say you're taking it up. I'm on the third floor or whatever. What is the anxiety about? Like if you take it down the path, okay, so I get stuck, then what? So a firefighter is going to come let me out. All right, well, I got to suck his dick, but whatever, not the end of the world. But then he lets me out, right? <laughs> like what is, what is happening in your brain in the moment where you can't calm yourself down with thinking out the situation until you end up being okay. Well, that's a real skill to be able to do that, actually, to Mm. calm yourself down. First of all, you have to be pretty strong. I'm not very strong. Like, I don't mean physically, but, like, mentally you have to be very strong. (laughs) Okay. It's true, because you have to be... You know, you should appreciate... It's a real strength if you're able to, and it's good to know that you're not so strong, because, because yeah. if you really think you're so strong, and then something happens to you and it's uh really hard, yeah, then you start to think to yourself, oh my god, well I'm so strong, this thing must be even stronger because uh. like I can't handle it. Yeah. Well, it's like well maybe then you're not that strong actually. Maybe you're pretty weak, and uh, your self esteem. <laughs> well, sure. Well, there's an objectiveness to that, too. It's like, yeah, that's why I was kind of bringing up Hell's Kitchen. It's like there's actually, uh, you know, the reason we like seeing shows like that. It's, kitchen Nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's because it's about a guy that knows more and he's smarter and yeah. stronger. I mean, Gordon Ramsay's like in great shape. <laughs> like he's a great cook. He's yeah. got twelve restaurants. He produces a show. He's charismatic. He's he clearly goes to the gym and manages his life properly. He's got a he's got a wife. He does all these great things. He's so good mm. at life, and he comes to a place and he can point out when people are not so good at life. So that's my journey. Like that's how I've been conquering anxiety. <laughs> okay. My anxiety is to I try to find the parts of my life that need fixing, and that that relates to how I function. Yeah, that's kind of how I see it now. That's that's where my head's been at. Like, I'm trying to rebuild my room. Like my like you know you have a really nice place. Uh, it could be better. Sure. But it could be you know it could be worse. Yes. It could be so much worse. My room is at the worst level of how it could look right now. Because <laughs> all my life... It's like mattress on the floor and nothing else. No, like I mean, I got... Okay. Lawn chair? No, okay. It was worse. It was, <laughs> but it's not that much better. It's a chair. Okay. Yeah, it's a chair that's been there for 30 years. Yeah. That And a dresser that also is not mine. Sounds great. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and my car... My, I have a curtain. My curtain's not properly put up. Yeah. I had, like I literally, dude. I have I have a whole bit about it, but like I, this is a tr- it's a true story that I went to a ninety nine cent store, and I asked for them to buy me a, a pole. I asked for a pole and a curtain, so I put up my window. It's too big, and so I tried to like go to a hardware store and I asked if they can saw my pole to like a certain degree so that it can. And they said they couldn't. So then I bought a saw, and then I started sawing it in my house. Wow. And then I just like stopped myself. I was like, "There's no way this is how you put up a curtain." Like, I, this, <laughs> like I don't believe that. I don't. I, there's like, like you can be. Pro- That's true. Like, there's just no way this is how you do it. Yeah. You, know? you send it back and get a different size pole. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like okay. All that to say, though, right? Like in Hell's Kitchen, dude. He'll like go into the people's fridges. Like he looks into your fridge, which is like looking inside your brain, mm. and he finds all this rot. Like, oh, look at the mold. Look at how how long has this been here? Look at that. It's disgusting. Yeah. And it's like a clear representation of the chef's like mental state. Like, because they think it's okay to live like that. Yeah. So you walk into people's houses, you see what what they think it's okay to live like. It's like that's a reflection of how they think. Yes. So all that's in there. So if you think there's issues in yourself. Look around you, and then maybe you can fix it if you look around and see what's wrong with you. So yeah, that's kind of my advice, I guess. If I was gonna say, if I was, if there was a reason to bring up kitchen nightmares and anxiety, it's that's my advice: is to look around you, in your own life, and see what else needs fixing, because that yeah. probably it's probably gonna help if you figure out some of that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I I definitely agree with that, but on the other end. So like clutter, um, I mean, we could get into like hoarding psychology, but I do think yeah. it stems from anxiety a lot of the time where hoarders keep their things because they're afraid that they are going to need it. And so they will keep things and they keep clutter because it will be useful in the future. And so it's actually like I live by myself. So like any mess that happens in this apartment is caused by me. So. For sure. It's a very nice, clean apartment, actually. Thank you. But it's that's that's exactly my point, just as there's a bunch of shit on the table. For the first time in see, the fact months, that you, I was see, like, God damn it. I'm like mad that, someone's coming over for this. But I got a box you, from my company that like today, and I was like, I hadn't get a chance to. But, but that's exactly my point, because 
if I were to get anxious, that anxious about my apartment being so clean, like you can walk in here and go like, oh yeah, Corey's got his shit together. Like this thing is clean. But if I was freaking out about that, then we get into the levels of like OCD and it's a different type of anxiety. It's an anxiety about how you perceive yourself and people who have incredibly clean apartments are just as anxious as the people that have in incredibly cluttered apartments. It just comes out in a different way. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It makes sense. People's anxiety comes out in different ways, for sure. Uh, like, like one thing that um, I think is really big with our generation, and I'm not trying to insult anyone that does this, but the trend of people our age continuously watching the same TV show over and over again, dude, I think is a, a manifestation of anxiety. And the, the entire idea is that it is the ultimate comfort thing to do. You know, you know exactly what's going to happen. There's zero surprises in any of it. You don't have to think about what's going to happen. And like, there's always been comfort TV, like to an extent, like sports is comfort TV because there's a, there's a hardened set of rules. You know what's going to happen. And if someone breaks those rules, there's referees there to prevent that from happening. And so like every football game is 99% the same, every basketball game, but the rewatching of the office mm. where people could tell you exactly who's going to say what in any given situation or rewatching like, uh, like the, the police shows or whatever, where they always know it's going to end up the right way. People are watching those because they do not want to watch something where they don't know what's going to happen. They want to have control over that situation. And I think that's really interesting because I don't see older people doing that. I really only see younger people, you know, like I don't hear my parents talk about how they watched the office for the fourth time. Like, I think it's really bad. I, th I think it's really bad too, but it's also like, I don't blame people that are doing it. Well, I don't know if I, yeah, I definitely don't blame them. Although it is their fault. <laughs> they are pieces of shit. I mean, they're not pieces. Of, it's not their, it, look, the thing is, it's like, you know, sometimes people make mistakes because they're not so bright, right? Mm. Like they, it's not, and it's no one's fault if you're, I mean, it, it is your fault if you're not so bright to some degree, right? Like, <laughs> cause like, I mean, you could have gotten a little brighter and instead you chose not to. So there's that responsibility you have on yourself. Mm. And then there's also circumstances like, okay, maybe you're not so bright because no one's believed in you. To, that you could become smarter so that the school system has failed on you you know so <laughs> i i don't know if it's about intelligence i don't think well, it's i don't think it's about intelligence i think it's about people's relationship with their television like if they're anxious all day that they're doing the wrong thing or that they don't have control or they don't know what's going on when they're in their free time they don't want another situation where they don't know what's going to happen. They want a situation where they know exactly what's going to happen and they're in total control. How, but the problem is it can, it can, it can, it can really, you know, I think it's bad that people do that, that they spend, they actually call it a show hole. Have you heard that expression? No. I saw an ad for it one time. They called it a show hole. Hmm. 
which means like you're not watching a show at the moment. So that's like encouraging you to want to watch a show. Yeah. It's like, oh, you don't have a show you're watching right now? Well, you shouldn't watch. You should get in the show watch, hole. Yeah, you're in the show hole right yeah. now, man. Get out of that show hole. So <laughs> so the the act of trying to persevere past a show and actually have thoughts is being labeled a show hole, which would make you think that it's not a good thing. That's, yeah. What would you do if you couldn't watch the shows? If you didn't spend all that time watching a show, like if you couldn't, not that you're not. But if it was taken away from you, how, how how easily do you think you'd adjust to that? Um I like I I want to throw out there, I don't have this issue. In fact, oh, cool. I have the opposite issue. That's where great. I hate rewatching shows. That's good. Like I have to even even movies, which are only like an hour and a half, like I gotta go five or six years and pretty much forget the entire movie before I'm willing to watch it again. Oof, I've been the opposite, dude. I just watched Breaking Bad for like the twentieth time. Yeah, like during this pandemic. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, that's the last time I'm ever doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But that's no, 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 it. But wasn't so bright to do that. No, I see. I don't think. I don't think anyone that does do that should blame themselves. I think it's just a way to have control over a part of their life. And it's an interesting manifestation of that need to be in control. Because you know, going back to what you were saying about the elevator and the plane, you could stop you could stop watching Breaking Bad whenever whenever you want. And like granted, there are shows like Breaking Bad is the it's a little more to think about than the office. But like it is it is prestige TV. Yeah, it is. But it's a great show. You've got control of the situation. You could turn it off whenever you wanted to. True. And I did that when I was sick, actually. I found out when I turned off Breaking Bad what happens to me, which is You that eat a lot of Chef Boy and pineapple. pineapple. I <laughs> pineapple. But also you find yourself... I mean, I don't know if this happens. Like you, I was just, you know... the thing, all, that, all I'm trying to get at is in saying that if you, if you do... If you're the type of person, though, that's that needs to watch a show to like kind of get by through the day. I don't think that that that's a manifestation of anxiety in some form. And I don't think that it's a good thing to pursue, to do it all the time. Yeah. And I think that's, you could be doing a lot of, it's like weed. It's like, you know why they tell you why you shouldn't smoke weed. Yeah. It's not because, you know, because of all the things that people say, right. It's because if you only smoke weed, then you're, like if you be, if it's a habit where it's all you do now instead of anything else, then that's the problem. It's not that it's not that you're smoking weed. It's like you're just smoking weed. Right. So if you're watching a show because you need to, that's a problem. Yes. Okay. I think I think that's a very good clarification. Right. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. If you watch a show because you need saying. to, it's like oh man, like without this show, I'd have to think. Yeah. I'd have to realize how uncreative i am <laughs> that's what it is i'd have to realize i'm not, I'm not gonna go that far because you, that cause far. you don't know what they're doing like with the other part of their day you know maybe they're building oh, I'm talking about me, for... I'm talking about me. oh okay I got all you. me you know just that like... actually i do uh i did want to talk about like weed and drugs because uh, one of the them. side effects of weed is anxiety and it's yeah. kind of the same thing as comedy where like why do anxious people like weed if it makes them more anxious and they're like it, I don't know. It feels great. <laughs> Dude, no. So the reason I got into comedy is I had a horrible weed experience when I was like 17. Mm. 
my friend just died. He wasn't really like a friend. He was someone that I probably wouldn't have been friends with after high school ended. But at the time, he was a friend. He killed himself. And I asked why he killed himself. And I heard because he had like this mental thing. And that freaked me out because I was like, what? Like he's... Because, you know, I, I, I didn't know what to think. And so I got high, and then my friend compared me to him. And I thought I had the mental thing. Like, this. <laughs> oh, shit. So then I thought. That's I'm like, a real reason to have anxiety dude, there. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, am I going to kill myself? Like, I was like, was saying yeah. it like, I was like, I, 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 I was saying it like, if I did kill myself, it would have been against my will. Like, I would have killed myself against mm. my own will. Like, I don't want to kill myself. That's a funny concept. That's what I thought would happen to <laughs> yeah. me. And, uh, I started seeing trees differently, like which it sounds insane, but I thought trees looked different than they used to. And I had to like, I was trying to find photos of trees to see. I was like, did they always fucking look like that? Yeah. I was having a fucking breakdown, dude. <laughs> this was while you were high or this, afterwards this, no, this too? Was, this was for two years. Oh, wow. So I, I stopped smoking weed entirely. Sure. Because after that experience, I was stuck like that for two years. I was like, that's how I thought for two years. I was like, I, I'm going insane. Uh. Everything doesn't make any sense. The world is crazy and yeah. trees look different. And I was so like fucked in the head. And then I uh, looked up comedy on YouTube. And then that's how I found stand up. And then I was like, oh my God. So then, yeah. It took me until like the pandemic around this time to like learn how to get high again. Because mm. up until I didn't smoke from like, I think, 18 till about 20. I couldn't do it like I couldn't handle getting high now I love it so I guess the the two obvious questions there are why did you get back into it and then how did you how were you able to convince yourself that it was okay to get back into it I got stronger as a person Mm. I I started hanging out at Olive Garden because I work at Olive Garden yeah and a lot of guys that work at Olive Garden are at least in the one I worked at are very tough people (laughs) You know, they're very, they're very tough. The tough family. They are a tough family. They're from the Bronx, and they got real problems. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, when they offer me to smoke weed with them. Fair enough. And I get high, and I start complaining about shit that doesn't matter to them. It's like, well, now my anxiety's framed differently. Now, and now I look like a little bitch. Yeah. So I started to think of myself that way. I'm like, oh, man. And it's fine because it made me feel like, well, then I can get past this. Like, I'm actually like, you know, this is not good if I'm feeling this way. Reset your perspective. Yeah, it's beautiful, dude. It's amazing how much you can, like, you know, it kind of happens when you go through something. You know, it's like, oh, you're afraid of getting into an elevator. It's like, well, go fucking face a, you know, go go to the zoo and come head to head with a tiger. And... uh, (laughs) I think you'll have an easier time with the elevator yeah, next right? time, you know? It's like, like I think you can either have an elevator with the tiger or without the tiger. Well, suddenly without the tiger seems a lot nicer. You know, you probably couldn't you probably couldn't kill somebody. Like you shouldn't want couldn't. You probably couldn't. Like I mean, it's hard to do it. Like to shoot a person, I imagine is a yeah. pretty hard thing to do. It's not something I've been interested in. Yeah, you're not interested, but like <laughs> could you do it? You know, I'm thinking about this cuz I watch a lot of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Cuz part of the arc in the show is like it becomes impressive or yeah, kind of impressive that like he's able to kill. Like that's one of his skills. Yeah. Is he can just kill people and it doesn't seem to affect him too much. Yeah. It's like, well, 
that comes from a change in perspective inside. Yeah. That's the same thing with anxiety, dude. That's how I see it. It's like, well, if you can just conquer it. Yeah. Get stronger, get past it. Huh. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously easier said than done. It's so hard. It's, so hard. it's the hardest thing ever to do. It takes all the suffering in the world and, like, internal perspectives and, I mean, int- you know, whatever. You're not it's all the suffering in the in the world. Let's not. It's not <laughs> well, you have to suffer. You have you have to be yes. suffering. Yeah, a little bit because you yes. have in order to, in order to get through something hard, you're gonna suffer. Yeah, it's it's, it's imp- that's how you know you're getting through it. Like they say, no pain, no gain. So yeah. if you're if you're hurting in the pursuit of something better, that's why you shouldn't get on your phone and go and watch The Office. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> and if it's if it's hard to not watch The Office, then you know you're doing something right. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, so I 100% agree on one hand. Yeah, I do. I really do. Like as someone in in comedy, like you kind of have to. It sucks to do comedy for as long as you have to to get popular. Like it's a lot of long nights. There's a lot of parts of it where people would look at it and go, "My God, you're out of your mind." On the other hand, there is the argument that like, why should we suffer? You know, like what's what is wrong? What is existentially wrong with the person that goes to work and then goes home and then watches the office and does it again? And they're a productive member of society. They pay taxes. They just want to be left alone. They just want to watch the office. Like, what is wrong with that? You know? Well, it's not It's not necessarily those things that may be wrong with that person's life. Just that they do those things. There's nothing wrong with having a job and working and being a member of society and coming home to your potential family and kicking back and watching some TV every now and again. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that lifestyle. Uh, but if you're, but if you're not happy, like if you're watching the office Mm. and you're not happy about it, then you're, then you're not at, you're, you're actually more trying to account. You're trying to be the thing that you're not, which at this, maybe this is the, like, oh, you want to be the guy that just came home from work and he's got a great family and he's watching TV now. Because, so you can, sh- it's like kind of like looking at the sky. It's like, well, we're all, look- every-, every person at some point can look at the sky. It's like one thing we could all do together. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be a really successful king or a slave. Everyone can look at the sky and enjoy it. And so, you Unless come you live in Midtown Manhattan, but right. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you live in Midtown Manhattan or are blind, uh, yo, and you can't do that. If you're blind, yo. then you sh- sorry. sorry to the blind uh, yeah. listeners of this podcast. Yeah, sorry, blind listeners. Did you know that they uh, we film it too? But you don't know what that would mean. So yeah, but uh, anyway, the uh... <laughs> I know it sounds like you know hippy dippy or but right. I think it's because when like I think that when people go on to watch television. For the most part, they're trying to. You watch TV when you've accomplished something. It's kind of like a, a treat. Mm. And you, 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 like you say, you came home from work, put on a little TV, relax, unwind. But it's not unwinding if it's like, if you're dependent on it now and it's all you're doing. Yeah, that's when it's the problem. Yep, I see what you're saying. I think the the self perception is key to that. Like, are you? How do you feel about? coming home and watching TV because you're right. If, if people are not happy about it, the, I think the instinctual response would be to take out more work from their life. 
like take out harder things from their life and continue to make it easier and easier, which that's where I, I definitely agree with you is that the easy things become more pleasant if the harder things are harder. Does that make sense? Right. Well, yeah. So it's like if you only eat ice cream. Yes. Ice cream's going to start to really suck. Yeah. Especially, and when it starts to suck and you still have to eat it, yeah, you're going to fucking want to kill yourself, dude. You're going to yeah. wish you never had ice cream ever again. But if you have a lot of nice vegetables in between ice cream, ice cream is really nice. Yeah. So that's, that's you know, that's the same right. thing. It's like there's the balance. A balance is good. Yes. And uh, it's important, and I think it's important that people push themselves to find healthy balances in their lives if they want to overcome certain anxieties and if they want certain things that they don't know that they can't have right now because of what they're like. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I, in, in, in relation to anxiety, it's like anxiety is the greatest thing. It's like a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. It'll push you. Yep. It'll, it, it's in the, it's in the back of your head, you know, t- telling you everything that you're doing wrong and it's right. It's, it's, it's sometimes, no, it's, I mean, it's to some degree. I mean, if, if, <laughs> yeah. if you can even, if you could even feel that way, then you're doing something wrong. Because True. If you, if you are in a room and you don't understand your place in the room, it's like, cause you, cause you don't understand the room. Mm, okay. You don't get there. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? That you you you're lost. So how do you get yeah. out of that? It's there's a lot of ways to get out of it. I I would argue power through. Power and through. And like the easy the easy answer would be to leave the room. But the hard answer would be leave to, the room. Yeah. Well, then you're not powering through. Then you're. That's that's what I'm saying. Is the easy answer would be to leave the room. The more difficult and more beneficial answer would be stay in the room and figure out why you don't understand what's going on in the room until you do understand it. Dude, take a chance. You say something. <laughs> yeah. You ever say something and you can't believe you said the wrong thing? 100%. It's like, all the time. That happens. Yeah. God damn, I was just talking. <laughs> I just... Oh my God, that happens way too often. Sorry, go no, on. No, no. You know, I met Jason Alexander recently. And, yeah. uh, I was I'm, I was waiting on him, and he came in to the restaurant and he asked for coffee, and I was trying to be like a little funny. So he's like, "Do you have coffee?" And I was like, "Yeah, we got coffee." Like I said, like a dick. Like, <laughs> like I wanted I wanted him to think it was a dumb question. Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, we got coffee, dude." And he's like, "Can I have some?" And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, yeah." I did it like that. <laughs> and, then, and then I brought him coffee. He orders food. He gets a salmon bowl. Sure. And his friend gets sushi. And then I say, oh, would you guys like any garlic bread for the table or some onion rings? And just like the classic side dishes that yeah. I would offer. And then he said, well, that really wouldn't go well with the salmon bowl. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> right. See, I said the wrong thing. Yeah. I didn't even know I could do that at, at that particular moment, but yeah, I found right. a way. It's like, <laughs> it's because I didn't know any better. Clearly. Uh, what would go with the salmon bowl? It's just asparagus. like more fish. Asparagus would have gone well. Brussels go. sprouts, yeah. probably. Now you fucked up. So you're not going to, but you're not going to, like now, so I guess going forward. You have now two I, options, right? You can have anxiety that you're going to do it again, 
Or you could learn from it and go, all right, cool. Now I know what to say. Asparagus. Dude, I learned. I was like, yeah, now I will know next time to say something appropriate. And so, think about what it takes to do that. So what do you, like, in that situation, I think a lot of people might go the other route where they become more anxious about that. How do you prevent that from happening in your mind? Like, I try the, to, next, the next time a... a a bigger name comes in because they fucked up with Jason Alexander. Maybe they're, they get anxious about, Oh, I'm going to do it again. And like, it's a pretty low risk situation asking Jason Alexander the wrong question, but yeah, you know what I'm saying? I don't know that I wouldn't be nervous again, but I do know that the thing I think, I think I'd feel a little less nervous because the reason I was nervous is because I didn't know I can say something wrong in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. I didn't know that. I didn't know that offering garlic bread or onion rings or saying any of that would could ever lead to the dialogue of that wouldn't go well with the salmon. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So then my thought was, well, I guess from now on when I offer things to people, I should take into account what they've eaten, what they're already eating. There you go. Didn't really think of that though. That's the right attitude. <laughs> so you seem to you seem to already know these things. It's amazing how little people know sometimes. Yeah, I mean about certain things, you know. It's like you got to be put in this situation, right? That's what we're talking. That's why about. your that's why your house is set up better than my room. It's because there's that inside you. You know what I mean? You've already gotten uh, this far. But that I mean that is a level of anxiety, right? Like not having stuff on the walls. Or whatever. Yeah, I got art, a map, like great clock. It's a great. Thank you. Looks like a pokeball. But the clock is a is a perfect example because I spent a lot of time looking for that clock, and it was because of the anxiety that my clock was not going to match my carpet. Which, like, I know the people on camera can't see the clock or the carpet, but they match perfectly. I fucking nailed it. You did. But that's from like. There, as you were saying before, there is a level of anxiety that's healthy. There's a level of anxiety that, like, is going to make your life better. But it's a very fine line to try and be at that level of anxiety. And I think what you've been trying to say, correct me if I'm wrong, is that it is important to be able to figure out where that is and give yourself a little bit of slack on either end of that. Like, oh, shit, all right, maybe I should have cared about that a little bit more, or, okay, maybe I got to not care about that as much because it's not as big of a deal as I once thought it was. Correct? Yeah. Every All the anxieties have different situations, you know? And I've used the different ways of... I've tried to be using different shows and stuff as like kind of an example to certain ones. Um, I think that if you're anxious socially... It's because you don't understand your place socially Mm. and you're, it's fine because no one really does, but eventually you find your place and then that's how people, I I think at some point you you get past it because you have to be like, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't hear a lot of 40 year olds kind of discussing their anxieties. I feel like they've kind of already accepted the fact that in life you're going to get anxious and things are going to get complicated, but you got to figure that shit out. Or they didn't know what anxiety was for the first 35 years of their life. (laughs) That would surprise me. Dude, we live in the most... We live in the most anxiety-filled time period, I think, of the generation of people that exist right now, like the young people. 
it makes sense because of social media why we'd all be so anxious. But like a lot of these guys are, uh, I don't think handling it well. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, I agree. I think pretty much everybody uh, in the United States, especially, but I think you nailed it with the social media thing. It's like even adults that don't even realize that they're anxious are anxious about stuff. And that's why they're fighting on Facebook with random people. They don't know and trying to convince other people like, you know, uh, their viewpoint is like their own viewpoint is correct and whatever they believe is wrong. And like, you know, it's a survival tactic. Like anxiety is a survival tactic. And I think, uh, it's we're in a tough spot where a lot of people are afraid of the future and that they won't be okay. What do you think? You think what you think you are you afraid of the future? I think for the most part we'll be fine. I think a lot of it is perspective. I think that I think people have had it very I think people to bring it back to your your analogy earlier and we'll end on this after I get your thoughts. I think for the last 50 years, a lot of people have eaten a lot of ice cream. (laughs) Oh. And Mm. I think that they are trying to make themselves feel better with more ice cream when in reality they need less ice cream. They need more things that suck. They need some garlic bread, onion rings. They need garlic bread, onion rings, but not a salmon bowl because that would not go well together. They would not go well together. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. What do you think of that? And then we'll uh, we're at an hour, so I think that. I mean, I I think so many things. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do another one on what's wrong with America, (laughs) dude. A lot. A lot, a lot is wrong with America. People, people, people. The pro- oh god, here's another th- the cause of anxiety. Just to wrap it up, is yeah. I think narcissism. You got to be mm. really narcissistic to have that much anxiety, because you, it's your, it's your, you know, if you're anxious about your your security, health, whatever, it's like you are so wrapped up in your own life that you think it's all gonna come to. It's like it's gonna happen to you. You know, there's a bit of narcissism in that, thinking you're so important that, like, and it's true that people, most people, dude, don't realize how fucking narcissistic they are. Yeah. Because they're so involved in their own life that they forget the, and it's it happens when, you know, social gatherings occur. Like, a person who thinks they're so important finally approaches people who don't know him, doesn't realize that that yeah. people don't fucking know you, and they don't give a fuck. It's hilarious when that happens. And, I love it when that happens to comedians some of them are very good about it some of them are real bitches about it yeah (laughs) oh man i like that point a lot um might have to do a part two on uh i got you want to hear something great you ever seen avatar the last airbender yes that show is about terrorism from the terrorists perspective and they're the good guys huh tell me not the fire nation's america yeah. Oh, yeah. They're not the good guys. The Fire Nation's the bad guys. Right. Aang is a good guy. Yes. He's a terrorist. I got gotcha. you. His whole pursuit is yeah. to kill the president. Yeah. Through through in the entire series, we're rooting for them to kill the president. Yeah. The Terrorism. person in power. Yeah. It's all perspective. It's all the same. I think that's a great place to end. Speaking of narcissism, what do you got to plug? What do you got going on? 
Well, you had Alex on the show. I did. So our show was already plugged, but I'll plug it again. Yeah. Uh, Alex and I both run Aggressively Chill Comedy uh, every Tuesday at Gold Sounds Bar. Gold Sounds Bar in yep. Brooklyn, 44 Wilson Avenue. And uh, that's the that's our baby, and we love it. So you should come by. It's always fun. We hand out Adderall at the end of the show. Yeah. Crazy things happen, and it's always a fun time. Great hang afterwards. Best hang, I'd say. Lot. It is a lot. Best of hang in all of New York yeah. uh, City, I'd say. It's in like a rock club, but the bar outside's got like a pool table and. Dude, like, the show happens, and then people yeah. hang for like four hours, five hours. It's the sickest thing it ever. Is, yeah, we it's a great joints. time, and uh, I've been on a couple times. So thank you for no for having me on uh, Instagram, Dean David ninety five. Yep, Dean David ninety five. Right, and that's you don't know, you got like TikTok, Twitter. No, man. I can't. Right. I'm too anxious to make a TikTok. There you go. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. Oh, man. All right. Well, follow me on TikTok at Corey T Comedy. Uh, same with Instagram and Twitter. Um, and then, yeah, please follow or rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. I really appreciate it. Dean, we'll do another one of these soon. Thanks for coming by. Thank you for having me.